When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's version of Everything is Black and White. I'm Sean McCormick, Stepman Foundry Musco, who's enjoying a week off this week. And join with me is Mark Douglas and Chris Woff. Um, first off, guys, we'll start off with the takeover. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week. Obviously, Amanda Stavely's made an opening offer. Yeah. Um, Mark, can you just fill us in where we're currently at with those proceedings? Well, this is the best, by the way, the best uh, caretaker <laughs> appointment that Newcastle have had since Nigel Pearson came in. And, well, actually, Newcastle were beating 6-0 six, six six by Manchester United, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, anyway, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to know about the takeover and know, know where things are and where things stand. I mean, I still feel... Uh, relatively optimistic, even though the first bid that um, Amanda Stavey made was, um, uh, from talking to a source at Newcastle, was kind of unacceptable, was their exact word. So I think there was a kind of a measure of frustration from Newcastle that, that it leaked out and that, and that uh, it wasn't the kind of offer that, that maybe it was mentioned at 300 million. We all know now, like anybody who's been reading our stories and, and, and what's being said, it probably knows that that's incentivised now and there were certain. Um, little restrictions in there as well but I still feel optimistic that it's going to happen because I still think that Mike Ashley um, there is no alternative to him here uh, than either selling the club or he has to come up with some kind of a plan for how Newcastle is is basically going to work under his under his ownership and I don't think he's he certainly hasn't made any of those plans from, from speaking to people at Newcastle it, it is just running as it is at the moment let's sort of just keep it in ship shape until we can get to a takeover which I think is to be honest where it's been for a good year and a half is just kind of just trying to keep the club uh, going you know I don't think they wanted to sell anything in January I don't think they wanted to spend anything in January partly because of this takeover that he wants to happen I think the summer if we'd have known maybe then quite how much he was looking to sell it I think it probably would have I probably would have you know, worried a bit more about what was going to happen in the summer, but it feels like everything's moving towards there. So he's not going to walk away from negotiations, even though there's going to be, I think, a lot of tough talking. So um, I don't think it's going to happen by Christmas. I know a lot of people are talking about that um, as a possibility, but I still think that I've always felt that was optimistic because it's quite a lot of work to be done because exclusivity could potentially be a week, um, which would be the next step uh, once they've agreed a price and then Amanda Stavely's um, group could potentially um, actually kind of really get into the nitty-gritty of what they want to do. So, um, so yeah, I mean, a, a positive week because I think that my biggest fear, to be honest, with the whole takeover was that, and I'd heard this said by a few people, including one person who um, told me last week that he, he thought it was going to happen, uh, but originally they were saying there was still this suspicion from a lot of people that it was just talk and it was never going to materialise into, into an actual bid um, and then, because there was a lot of this... I think there was this theory, isn't there, that Man Stavey's actually just kind of keeping the pot boiling for a bit at, uh, for Liverpool. But that's not that now for me. That you can shelve that because you wouldn't make a bid for a club, even if it's a, maybe a little bit of an unrealistic one, if you weren't serious about uh, 
going after Newcastle. So I think it was a positive development, um, but you know, still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, and Chris, obviously there was a, quite a differential in terms of the price. Obviously, Mate Ashley was originally holding out for four hundred million. Amanda Steele's only putting a three hundred million offer. There was talk this week that there's going to be they're going to kind of haggle with three hundred fifty million, and that might be acceptable. Do you think that's about the rate of what we're going to look at here? What Newcastle will go for? I think anything more than three hundred fifty would be extremely ambitious on, on Mate Ashley's part. And I think then he would be running the risk of all of this falling through because I just don't see. Anyone who there's not enough interest there for him to be able to drive up the bargain to, to that sort of price. Anything towards 400 million, I think, is unrealistic. That the no Premier League club has had that sort of investment, certainly not the big six in the, in the last few years. Uh, I just think that th- 350, I don't think, is, is completely unrealistic. I saw a thing from uh, BBC Price of Football yesterday, and he was saying that for three times the price of what Ashley paid for 10 years ago, can you really expect that? But I suppose the difference is now that the Premier League is worth so much more money now compared to what it was then and and if it's what to be expected in both the domestic TV rights and the foreign TV rights over the next few months from 2019 it's probably going to be even even greater I mean the foreign TV rates are right, mm. could, could even treble which but, is huge but funnily enough I think with that you have to kind of take because I think that's probably what Mike Ashley thought a few years ago that oh we've got the TV money so the club will um, wipe its own nose but actually the TV money has been a curse for Newcastle rather than a blessing because it's given every other club a massive financial boost that has made it harder for Newcastle to to stay in the Premier League because you saw a few years ago teams buying players that Newcastle would have bought a few years ago. So I think in his mind, he's thinking this money is coming in, but it's it's been wasted on agents and it's been wasted on fees that have become exorbitant. And I think in the summer he thought... I can't. I don't think there's there's not money to be made in this. I don't disagree with your point, but my point was the valuation of the entire club. It right. doesn't matter about in terms of. I agree with what you're saying in terms of it's more of a level yeah, playing I, field. But in terms of valuation of the entire club, the amount of revenue that comes in year on year, the amount in theory you could expect to make if it continues in that in that form, then he has. I can see why a valuation in excess of 300 million is something that he ties to, it, particularly given the fact that he still has. Uh, equity in the club in terms of, of interest-free loans which he wants to recoup back so straight away that's both that and the price he paid originally you're talking best part of £250 million so then if he wants to make a profit on top of that um, I, I'd, I think he's going to have he's going to have to to be more willing to negotiate than it seems he has been so far if this sale is going to happen I think the problem the problem with Ashley and I've been told this by quite a few people is that as soon as he seems like he's backed into a corner it becomes very reticent and you've got to balance on one hand his determination to sell on the other hand the fact that he's also dealing with business people himself here in Amanda Stavely who also drives a hard bargain and he has to he has to remain level-headed if he wants to, to keep going. He can't just become brash and try and get it all his own way because it simply isn't going to happen like that. The only way he's going to make the only way he's going to make any money on Newcastle United is by selling it. it you know, the, the minimum, the tiny amount that they make in terms of profit every year is kind of like nine million, isn't it? Which obviously doesn't go into his bank account anyway. So I suppose it's really how practical he's been about this. And you know, the other thing. I think that that has to be weighing on his mind, or that has to be there in his mind is is you know the hassle of staying keeping hold of the club. Is that worth his while? You know because the chances are we know you know Rafa's pretty happy at the moment um, in terms of his what, how he feels about Newcastle because he feels that there's a potential for something to happen in the future. If that's taken away from him, if the rugs kind of pulled out from under him, 
is he really going to stick around for the next four or five years? I mean, they lost 4-1 on, on Saturday. Um, and I think Jamie Carragher pointed out, didn't he, that, that Rafa was going up against Mourinho um, on a level playing field a few years ago. And now they're completely... In, you know they're, they're in completely different worlds, and you know Rafa three four years ago was with Napoli, you know, challenging the Champions League. He wants to be back there eventually. Um, I think it's unrealistic that Newcastle are going to be there anytime soon. But with the takeover, there is the opportunity to do that, and that's that's the only thing that's really keeping him there. So then, you know, if if Mike Ashley loses Rafa, he loses. You know, the fans start to walk away again. You know, we go back to boycotts. We do all that. That's the that's the reality for for Mike Ashley. If he doesn't, he would have to. If he walks away, for me, the only way that he could make the club work is if he then comes up with an alternative strategy, which maybe even makes him putting some money back in, or finding a way of some external investment, some way of arming Mike of, of arming Rafa Benitez with with some form of you know, giving him some reason to be here, giving the fans some reason to to keep back in the club as it has as they have done for a year and a half um, and, and is he capable of that vision that's the only way that I can see out for him where he doesn't sell the club um, and so as much as he's going to be a hard headed person and the, the worry is that like that's the that's the seems the logical way but like you said you know he, in the past he's made decisions hasn't he that have less to be fair than of, of late he's not made He's made some decisions, I think, in terms of not wanting to spend, which have been. But he's not made any of those kind of wild decisions, you know, not made the Kinnear kind of decision. I think that's because he's, he's he, I think that's been almost a long-term build-up to this. Is that he's, as you said, he doesn't want to be armed with a football club anymore. So he's almost had a hands-off approach to mm. it. He's had Lee Charlton, who's the manager director there. Justin Barnes came in at the start mm. of the year to start facilitating this. He hasn't wanted a hands-on approach, and therefore. He hasn't been making necessarily these wild decisions. The only thing he's been doing is, is really holding the purse strings and making yeah. sure that money isn't spent. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? And, and for me, like you know, this is why uh, it's going to be difficult for him really to, to sell walking away now that we know he's got a, a realistic bid. It might not be a realistic view bid in Mike Ashley's viewpoint, but um, now he's got an offer. That's it's going to be even harder for him if he if he walks away from it because. People know there is a viable alternative out there, you know. I mean, what's been interesting is seeing the way that the the kind of offers are, are, are structured. Because one of the offers I think that was on the table is a sort of sixty million every year for five years, isn't it? Um, and that, that you know that's interesting. And there's incentivised stuff, which is how Mike Ashley's tried to run his uh, tried to get Newcastle United to work a few years ago. Was you know I think Kevin Nolan got an offer, didn't he, in 2012? 2011, sorry, that was basically really heavily incentivised. If Newcastle kick on, um, you get this incredible wage offer, but the basic wage offer was lower than what he was on. And Kevin Nolan just walked away, went to West West Ham. Newcastle lost a good captain. Um, and Mike Ashley was like, well, you know, look, if they're not prepared to take it, then we'll go and find somebody else who will take a camera. So, well, now he's basically saying, oh, what do you mean, like, Champions League in 10 years? We've not got winning the Champions League. We've not got a chance of doing that. Yeah, well, that, that's how football works. And that's the business that you haven't been able to crack. That's the business you don't want to be in anymore. So please just walk away. Um, you know, give Newcastle fans an opportunity to kind of dream about something again. You know, I mean, I was up at the... Um, uh, festive festive fair at St James's Park, and the amount of people who kind of um, coming up to me asking about the takeover. You know, the excitement is there about this, and 
you know, it almost feels like, please, my Ashley, you know, you kind of like this. It, this is your opportunity to walk away, even walk away with a bit of credit. Um, if a deal can be done, it's in your interest to do it. You know, that's 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 where we are at the moment. I think. Just a couple of questions from fans that we asked for this morning in terms of the takeover. Um, obviously, PCP are now the front runners. They've made a bid. If nothing materialises there, have we got other bidders that we know that are interested? There, there have been other non-disclosure agreements signed, but I think very much it is PCP are the front runners, and that's why they're pushing to get some sort of agreement for executivity as well. I think there is still tentative interest around, but I think that the money being talked about has, has put a few... Uh, a couple of bidders off. That was what I was told about a week ago. That that, the, that it seems that a couple of there is still interest out there, but at the, the fees, Magashi wants. And I suppose that's that. The one concern I have about the takeover at the moment is not so. I, I agree, Mark. I think there are positive signs, but it's more the fact the way that it, it's it's dragging on. The way that's I just think expectations once this takeover happens are going to be so are going to mm. be sky high in some quarters. <clears throat> It's not as if Amanda Stavely's coming in herself as some sort of multi-billionaire. Yes, I know she has access to, to money elsewhere, but it's going to be a group of investors who, who, are, who are coming in if it does happen. And are they going to have £100 million to spend in January? And Benitez said that last week. He was completely right. There isn't going to be that sort yeah, of money anyway. And Rafa Benitez wouldn't want that because he doesn't see uh, that sort of investment mid-season as a good idea. He needs some investment, but you don't totally rebrand your squad in January. But even taking that at one side, I just think... There needs to be realistic expectations here. That some sort of direct surge onto the top six. Newcastle are a million miles away mm. from there at the moment. It's going to be a slow build, and it's going to take investment over time. It needs investment in infrastructure, as Mark wrote in his piece this morning. It needs investment in the academy, and a lot going on there. So, in terms of, I just think there needs to be a slight quelling at the moment because at the moment we we have to be honest. We have no idea no. what my, what Amanda Stavely's intentions are. We don't know that there's going to be a pot of gold at the end of the the rainbow, so to speak. We we just all of that is is ifs, buts, and maybe's at the moment. And for now, the takeover just needs to happen. And I think that it's in everyone's interest that Mike Ashley moves on. I know there's the argument of oh, the better the devil you know, but I think that the time has passed now of te- more than ten years of Mike Ashley. It needs something fresh, something different, and hopefully it will bring long-term benefits. But for now, I just think there needs to be a slight tempering of, mm. of expectations. Oh, that that's. I mean, if the takeover happens. Um, and, and, and you know, I always say this every week. I think that you know, Twitter and social media and aren't always the best way to gauge what people are thinking. But um, you know, like some of the stuff that I think people think that this takeover would bring. I mean, I've, I've had to kind of, you know, wrote it today that you know, like doing a Manchester City is completely, you know, it's just just not. It, it, it can't happen. I don't think it can. It could ever happen again in Manchester City. And then. You know, there's people coming back saying, "Well, you know, she was involved in Manchester City. She said Manchester City. We learn things about from Manchester City, but now you've got PSG. You've got billion, billions, and billions. I mean, Manchester City spent nearly a billion pounds in the first four years to get themselves into a position where they could challenge for the league, um, and now they're involved in the game. They've got skin in the game, so they're so it's even more to take you to that level. And I don't think any investor. I mean, if there was anybody with that kind of cash. I think they'd be looking at a who was prepared to invest that kind of cash. I think they would be looking at a top four club that's already there, who they could maybe invest mm-hmm. in, and then would need to make some changes, as opposed to Newcastle, which needs a complete renovation. I think there's a lot of quick wins that you can get at Newcastle. We can take them from um, 14th, 15th in the league, or 11th where they are now, or 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, wherever they are, up to the top eight, 
quickly and easily with pretty limited amounts of investment really just a kind of a level of investment but then taking the next step is huge um i think that people you know uh would talk would look at rafa and say well we need to you know we he needs to you know take the handbrake off go and buy out and buy some attacking players we need to we need a more attacking team again but you know what what the what is be what i think is the people involved in the takeover like about Newcastle is they've got this manager who's an expert in football um, but his philosophy is not going to change you know, he's not he's been with some of the biggest clubs in the world and his philosophy I think it would be a bit more attacking than it's been at Newcastle this season but he's not going to suddenly start buying you know Mavericks he's not going to suddenly go out and get a midfielder who creates and runs and dribbles and stuff and, and you have to kind of you know, I understand where people are, and um, but you, like you said, I think you're absolutely spot on, Chris. You have to quell the um, expectation, and it's worth noting that there's a lot of people at Newcastle who are quite happy to tell you behind off the record that this is all, you know, like oh, it's just, you know, she's, she, you know, she's just a, you know, like smoking out interest, and it's all this, that, and the other, and and I think some of the stories that you've seen this week have been informed by that. But there are people at Newcastle United who are only too happy to tell you that look, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. But they—they they have there's been also wrong. People, there's also people connected with when she tried to buy Liverpool who I've spoken to who are still sceptical about about her and, and the motors. And that's what I'm saying. Until we know, until anything becomes official, mm. until she comes out and says what her and PCP partners' intentions are at the minute, we just have to mm. to hope that the, that the transaction goes through, that there is a sale in the not too distant future and that they do have positive intentions for Newcastle going forward but as I say expectations certainly until that stage need, need to be tempered somewhat yeah and I'm sure that all will be revealed very very shortly and we'll keep you across that across Chronicle Live um, moving on now to matters on the pitch um, we don't want to skirt over it too much because there's a 4-1 defeat of Man United at the weekend but we do need to address it so Chris you were there at the weekend obviously a 4-1 defeat Rafa Benitez sprung a major surprise by sticking with 4-4-2 how did you see the, how did, how, what was your verdict of the match basically he sprung a major surprise and I think Newcastle really surprised Manchester United first 35 minutes I haven't seen Jose Mourinho stand on the touchline looking really a bit flabbergasted as to what he was seeing I think it, it, to, to be honest all of us were to see Newcastle really go and have a goal it wasn't just the fact that the counter-attack the counter-attack in numbers there was occasions in the first half where there were 6 and 7 bodies in the, even when Newcastle had gone one up, even when Man United equalised before the second goal had gone in, and it was it was to target Man United's fullbacks who were essentially wingers. It was a, it was a brilliant idea, and it worked magnificently. Edlin, the first game of the season where he looks back to full fitness, and I thought he's a real attacking weapon. Jacob Murphy started quietly in the first ten minutes, but really grew into the game. We saw the flashes of why Newcastle signed him. There's still a lot of work there to go, but I think that you saw the raw talent. Um, John Joe Shelby pulling the strings from deep. Dwight Gale looking back to to the potent and and hungry best that, that he can be, and I think that's a, gr- a great thing for Newcastle. I've, I've written a piece today just saying how, in the short term, certainly until January, Dwight Gale's the best hope Newcastle have in yeah. goals because they just don't have any goals in that squad. Only two players have scored more than one goal so far this season. Dwight Gale could, in theory, score five to five goals between now and Christmas if he's played regularly and I think that's why Benitez is going for the 4-4-2 formation at the moment he realises the need to get Gale in there to get more goals he likes what Hosselu brings to the team though and also with a couple of injuries they've had over the last couple of weeks he's moved things around a little bit and I think that, that it, it suits Gale in the Premier League with a partner alongside him so for the first 35-36 minutes Newcastle did brilliantly but then 
a couple of defensive lapses poor from the actual goals point of view the, the first two in particular Benitez was disappointed with understandably so because there, there were lapses in concentration it was poor defending at the back post and Newcastle got exposed at full back Mancure didn't have a great day and Matt Ritchie was literally shouting at him trying to get him back in position at times mm-hmm. and it just didn't it, and then Lejeune wasn't great in the air Was it, I think we saw the first naivety from him across here in the Premier League other than the foul down Southampton and from that point on, it was it was a case of the cliched men against boys, and I think that that's when Newcastle or Benitez got the maximum out of them for 37 minutes. But then from that point on, once they went behind, this young squad sort of they wouldn't say folded, but it just went away. From second half was a non-event as far as Newcastle are concerned. But I think we saw, we saw enough positives and flashes there to think that going forward, Newcastle can be competitive. I think the 4-4-2 formation should be stuck with. I was sceptical about it at first, but I think it does actually, particularly if it gets Gale in the team. But I think the one thing is, I've seen a lot of fans going, oh, why didn't they play like this against Brighton? Why didn't they play against like this against Huddersfield? And I understand where they're coming from to a certain extent, because you go to Old Trafford and you have a right goal. But they were completely different games. Yeah. The, the, those teams weren't there to be got at like that. They're more organised. Man United, he played, it was an attacking team from mm-hmm. Reno. I, don't, I can't remember a team as attacking as that. And Newcastle could have a right goal. And yes, you want to see them be a bit more adventurous, but you have to understand that games against teams in and around where Newcastle are in the table who they're going to be competing with are going to be more difficult they're going to be more kind of flip games but that's why I think they need someone like Dwight Gale on the pitch because if you look at the three or four games that Newcastle have lost 1-0 they've had opportunities in them and opportunities you think Dwight Gale probably would have taken mm. Yeah. I mean, Mark when you, you use the short blanket expression on Twitter yeah. Rafa Benitez used that quite often saying how yes we, 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 we can't afford to sacrifice if you're going to go attacking, you're going to sacrifice your, t- your defensive work. If you're going defensive, you're going to sacrifice some attacking work. How do you think he addresses the balance going forward? Well, I think it, it, you know at the moment, at the moment, I think he, the reason he's gone too up front, or the reason well, not, not too up front, it's probably not quite a too up front, is it? But it's, it's closer to it, is solely because they're not scoring enough goals, and he is, you know, Rafa for whatever you know people say that he's stubborn. I don't think he is. I think he he reacts to. You know what he what he sees sometimes, and I think he thought that the team would would be able to score enough goals. I think they've seen over the the sort of the tighter games that they're, they're not quite they're not quite there, and and I think he's gone back to Dwight Gale, who I think he'd probably written off a little bit or had definitely been written off, yeah. um, but he knows that Dwight Gale probably in the Premier League isn't necessarily capable of scoring um, the kind of goals that he scored in the Championship. So he needs some support up there. He needs somebody getting in getting the balls in behind him as, as Newcastle did on Saturday um, it's going to be a fascinating week for Newcastle you know we've talked about the talk takeover all week but this is a big week for Newcastle United on the pitch a massive week Watford and West Brom are two games that really they have to look at and think you know we can get something out of these games we can get something out of like Saturday we can get something out of Tuesday so really, they have they have to they have to go for it. You know, the the Bournemouth game was was an interesting one because they did go for it. You know, again we you rewrite history a little bit on the back of results as as of course that happens. But actually, the Bournemouth and Manchester United games for forty five the first forty five minutes of both of those games, uh, well not quite first forty five but first thirty seven of them, and then but those two first halves <laughs> probably the best Newcastle have played this season. Um, and you know, ironically, Palace and maybe even Swansea were two of the displays but they won those two games so it really is it really is a situation where I think in terms of the balance I just don't think he, he feels that I think he feels like the balance has tipped enough to say right we need to be a little bit more attacking because we're not going to score the goals we're not going to score enough goals so 
they can they can defend. You know, they can obviously defend pretty well. But there comes a point at which you think, actually, we're not going to get the points. We're not going to be able to kick on enough if we're just defending because they're making mistakes. The problem was they were defending really well, but they're making one mistake yeah. and getting punished for it. So I think Rafa's kind of probably assessed that and thought, right, we need to we need to start we need to find a way of scoring goals. And like Chris has said, he probably sees Dwight Gale in training doing doing the things that he needs to do and thinks actually he's worth building a, a strike a strike force round, which is the irony of course of the Mitrovic situation is that people want him to build an attack around Mitrovic, but he's obviously presumably not seen enough um, from Mitrovic in training or in his general play to think I'll turn a whole system around Mitrovic because I think he would do it if he felt that the guy was good enough he did it when he first came in um, but he obviously now feels Dwight Gale's the answer um, I'd maybe like to see Gale and Mitrovic together on Saturday but I don't think he will do it but I'd like to see it I think what Newcastle need as well is it, and I think this is one of the reasons he's adapted from the 4-2-3-1 system with Hosselu in it because he was never likely to guarantee too many goals, it requires the midfield to score regularly, and yeah. just not. I mean, yeah. no player, no player outside of Hosselu and Jamal Sells has scored more than once this season. Matt Ritchie's yet to score; been unlucky in a couple of games, but he needs to start scoring. John Joe Shelby hasn't scored yet this mm. season; he's needs to score more. Atsu's got one. Perez has got one. These players need to contribute more. Jacob Murphy, if he gets a bit of a run, needs to score, and that and that is the problem. It, 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 teams down the bottom, yes, they usually have quite often have a striker who, who, who will keep them up because he scores 10 to 15 goals but they also share goals around the team you look at, at down at Brighton a lot of players have scored three or four goals so far mm. this season and Huddersfield are struggling to score now because they've got the same issue Newcastle have there's not enough goals in midfield Tom Ince I think has had the most shots without scoring the goals need to be shared out somewhat and until they are he basically I think he's come to the conclusion he has to play Gale and Hosley because he needs to he needs that Gale in there who's possibly going to give him goals but he likes what Hosley brings as well so He's had the bouncer too, and of course Huddersfield and Brighton. We've both we've seen, you know, that they're two. They're actually doing better than Newcastle at the moment because the, at home, those two teams look strong. Away from home, they can't they can't buy a win. You know, Huddersfield are atrocious away from home, apart from the the first game of the season. But at home, <clears> they've been really strong and picked up points against teams that they wouldn't expect to. But also been regularly picking up points. You got Manchester City on Saturday, have they? I think so. Yeah, yeah, he's at home as well. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how how that works, you know, because these these are the games that they, you know, Newcastle. I don't think at home have yet laid a real marker down. They they obviously, you know, they, they lost to Bournemouth last time out. Well, that's fine, but they, they've not really played anybody at home. Now they got Watford, um, and that's a game where you want to re- see Newcastle really assert themselves at home because. You're not going to pick up too many points away from home, especially in the next few weeks, because there's some really tough games there. So they need to make sure that they've got the right system and the right strategy at home to get to pick up the points. Um, and you know, as I said, it, it could have been so much more. The, the, the whole picture could have been so much different if they'd have just a, even got a point against Bournemouth. Yeah. It would have felt very different from how it does now, because now this week feels like right. They need to get something um, because they do. Because they, you know. Like they've got Chelsea yeah. the week after. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a game. And then it's Leicester at home, which is another one that they'd hope to maybe pick something up. But Leicester are a good side. December's horrendous. Yeah. December, December looks really tough. Is, it really is. December tough. looks tough. And and that's the <clears> thing, isn't it? That's one of the things about the you know the, this kind of takeover situation that um, you know is is a bit regrettable that you spend the whole week talking about takeovers, but actually there's some pretty serious business to be done on the pitch. Um, I feel like we've talked more about takeovers this season and written more about takeovers than we have about the actual team. Um, and there's some good stories in the Newcastle team, you know, there's some good good question marks, but there's not a lot of 
there's not a lot of alternatives to what Rafa's doing. Mitrovic is probably the only one. I mean, yeah. it'd be really interesting to see what he does midfield-wise on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly because he, do, he obviously doesn't have Hayden and Marino. It looks highly unlikely. Henri Savier played on Monday night. Could he come into the team? Modi Army played away at Burnley, but didn't exactly set the world alight. So, <laughs> please. I mean, in, in terms of please, what he does do is going to be because you'd say Jacob Murphy's probably in another start. Mm-hmm. Matt Ritchie on the other side because mm-hmm. Atsu doesn't look like he's going to be fit. But then who do, who does he bring in? Because if you bring Perez in the midfield alongside Shelby with the two up top, that's probably you're probably mm-hmm. going to be too open. Um, it's Savvy, sort of I would, I would be happy to see, to see Savvy in there. He's yeah. dynamic, which is something that the Modi army isn't. He's, he gets around the pitch a bit, and he can't even get forward a little bit. So he's technically all right as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the kind of like the, the situation with Savvy has always been a bit of a, you know, the, the guy is now picking up pretty big money at Newcastle, really in, in general <coughs> terms. And I think Rafa thinks he's okay, doesn't he? he doesn't mm. he's certainly not written him off. So you might see him play on Saturday. I think he probably will pick the army because he yeah. quite likes the army. Yeah. He likes the army's physicality, um, and you never know. The army might surprise us. He might, he might sort of prove his worth, which is he needs to really because there's a player. There's a player in there. We've seen it in the past. He just hasn't produced it frequently it. enough. And you can no, not at Newcastle. I mean, before he came to Newcastle, yeah. there is a there is a, a bustling, ungainly, but someone who yeah. can from deep create havoc. I think last season. Partly because he was playing number ten, it didn't quite suit him. But also this season, he just hasn't. I think you he, he realised over the summer that if, if there'd been a, a big overhaul, he probably would have gone. And I think for whatever reason, he just hasn't. He, he hasn't had a run in the team and hasn't picked up. I, th- I think there is some raw, certainly raw power from deep there. He's not he's not the most technically gifted footballer in the world, but yeah. I, I mean, I'm not I've not been convinced by him at Newcastle, but I do think there is a player in there somewhere. I'd like I'd like to see it because he's you know he's. Um, He's a good. He's a good guy, you know. He mm. pro, pro, like he strikes me as somebody who works really hard. He's trying everything he can, and maybe he's just not had. It's just not dropped for him yet. And Newcastle maybe haven't. Maybe playing him in midfield, which he hasn't really ever had a, a go in midfield not properly. A, a go in midfield, um, not in a home game. I mean that Burnley game, it would have been difficult for anybody to look good in that game. I mean that game was a horrific ninety minutes of football. It was absolutely atrocious. Burnley, by the way, sixth in the league. I mean, you know, here's a question for Newcastle fans. Would you take sixth in the league playing that way? And that is your philosophy for the whole season. And that is the limit of where your ambitions are going to lie. Well, it probably would this season. But long term, I mean, you know, look, Burnley are doing well. And Sean Dyche, I understand, you know, he's very not backward in coming forward about how great he is. Um, But, you know, it's pretty... It's pretty percentages football. If people label Rafa's tactics as cautious or like you know sometimes a little bit at percentages, as I said, Burnley's is is, is beyond that. You know, with a with a with a sort of you know either doing well, but it, you know football's meant to be entertaining, isn't it? And, you know, at least Newcastle have entertained us at times this season. I mean, if I was watching Burnley, I don't think it's a neutral. I'd enjoy it much, but there you go. Probably going to uh, get a bit of stick now. I, I don't know, but that's what I. I don't know. I, I you know, it, like they, they, they're okay, aren't they, Burnley? But you know, to say they're sixth in the league. Have you seen uh, one of the things that I've noticed this week that I thought was really interesting was the gap that is emerging between the top eight, is it, and the other twelve? Mm. And I think mm. all of those twelve teams, because it's now about seven points, is it? I think it's six or seven. Points. Seven points between the top eight, who are you know the teams that you think are going to probably, say, and the other twelve. And I think all of those twelve are in the mix this season. All of them. Um, I mean, Southampton. It was the same last year. Didn't they finished eighth, and they, but they were like 12, 14 points behind the 
the, the teams above them. I think it'll be exactly that way this season. There's a massive gap now between the, those top teams and the rest. Um, but And that's the thing. I mean, I was asked this week by the West Brom guys who do their, do their podcast whether Newcastle were going to be in the relegation mix. And I was kind of like, well, you know, they, they might not be in the mix at the end, but they, we're going to be talking about that all season, aren't we? Because it's, yeah. you know, because that's, I think there's not going to be much in it. Um, Palace will go. I think that'll probably emphasise how important Saturday is, though, because when you actually look at it, Newcastle have only won one of the last seven. Mm. Two big games this week, as you've already mentioned, Mark, if they don't win those two games, we've got Chelsea next. Is it a case that we know that it's been, a, it's been kind of positive on the pitch this season, hasn't it? We talk about the positive mentality rather than still, uh, the fans are happy, but is it a case if we don't win those two games, we then lose at Chelsea? What happens then? Is it kind of, kind of negative rot kind of set into the club? I think they'll. Just, I think they just have to get. I think they just have to keep playing the way that they've they've played in the last two games, and and, that, and they will pick up pick up points. You know, yeah. um, look. I don't think they'll lose all three of those games. I'd be surprised if they lost all three of those games. Um, they'll get something out of one of those games, and 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 it really is. You know, the the good thing about this next run, even though it is tough. Is that it's it's games after games. One of the problems of the first few months of the season for Newcastle has been they've had runs, and then it's been two weeks of, a, of yeah. international break, and you wouldn't want to like lose through these three games, say, and then be going into an international break where you've lost five in a row or six in a row or whatever, which would which would be worrying. But there's there's a, there's other teams going on those kind of runs, you know. That that's the thing. It's not as if it's not like last season where you lost. And it was it was a big deal because Newcastle had to keep winning. Yeah. The only way that they could keep the other teams who were doing well as well behind, it, it, as long as you know, look, it, it it's not great if they lose the next few games or if they don't pick up a win from the next three. But as long as they're maintaining that distance from the from the relegation zone, then they're okay. And they've done because they've picked those points up at the start. It's just don't panic, don't yeah. panic, because you know they've got more of an idea, they've got more of a plan than they did under McLaren. And, and that's all you can do really and then you get to January I mean there's nine games now is there nine games between now and uh, January the first I think it's I, I think we'll include January the, the first is ten yeah. ten so you know but but it's still then within their gift in January to, to go out and do something that might change yeah. the situation so they need to get to 20 points before the 20 game mark I think probably or 22 20, 21 22 points how they get those points is you know they, they They've got, they've got some tough away games, but you know, like on on Saturday, they looked, they looked pretty. They looked they, if they were playing badly, and they were wretched, yeah. and they looked like they were. There was, I'd be worried, but they're not playing badly. Thirty-seven minutes on Saturday, really good. They played pretty well against Bournemouth until twenty minutes before the end, when the injuries happened and they had to change. They got one or two players coming back. Think, don't panic is my message. You know, it's not like last time when they were in the Premier League, and we were starting to think they need to get to January as soon as possible to to bring in the players because they were just in desperate straits. They do need new players in January, but it's not desperate. It's not desperate yet. But they need four points from the next two games would be absolutely. You know, let's get that. Let's get that. Let's get the, the party poppers out because that would be fantastic. Four points, one win from these two games, and then. You know, what, four points from the next three would be would be fine. Um, six from the next three, brilliant. Even three from the next three is 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 okay. You know, but they just need to get something on the board. Well, also, then when you say about twenty points, I think there's a feeling within 
the club and certainly within Rafa and his, his coaching staff the, the 20 points halfway through the season would be very good for Newcastle because yeah. there's, there's a feeling that, that his sides get better in the second yeah. half of the season yeah. and that's what he plans for particularly with this team who he didn't get the players he necessarily wanted mm. he hopes are going to, it's a young side they're going to get better over the course of the season they're going to stand his methods better hopefully there will be a couple of additions in January but even if there isn't he knows exactly what he has now he knows the raw component parts he can work with and if they're at 20 points at the halfway mark he firmly believes they'll pick up 20 points and more in the second half yeah. and that 40 point mark is what you would say is going to survive so if, if there can be by the turn of the year on 20 points which itself is it, you look at it well, it's only two wins but the fixtures they've got coming up the form they're in it isn't going to be easy by any stretch mm-hmm. three points on Saturday w- would would relieve the tension a little bit release the, the pressure valve and I think would give them almost a bit of a free hit at a couple of these games going forward the next couple of weeks um, particularly you go, you're going to go Chelsea's not going to be so much of a factor Champions League wise because obviously mm-hmm. they won last night but you, you're going to p- face some of these teams it's nearly kick off as well isn't it on that yeah, Saturday yeah who are playing a lot of and Conte's already complained about their fixture list and yeah. you're going to play some of these teams where they've got focus elsewhere Man City when Newcastle play them on Boxing Day have played loads of fixtures by that stage don't you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to play them at any stage but, but Arsenal Europa mm. League Thursday night not pleasant for any team Newcastle have been there before and saw the knock, the knock on detrimental effect it had on them yes Arsenal got a bigger squad but so a win one win in the next two games if you can get four points and six points it'll be brilliant but if they, if they can win one of the next two then I think between now and Christmas it's just about trying to get to that 20 point mark yeah. you put another positive spin in it as well you, you, you talk there there's 10 games between now and January I think you said before there yeah January the um, yeah. obviously last season Newcastle were used to playing two games a week it's a very similar squad you've got Marino and Dummett coming back mm-hmm. so they've got a pretty much a clean bit of health do you think Though it's a, it's a difficult run of fixtures, do you think that can work in Newcastle's advantage? Yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, the, the worry is that it's quite it's quite a uh, thin squad. So if they do pick up an injury, you know, like I mean, you know, it would be disastrous if say John Joe Shelby got injured now, which we thought because Marino was here, they'd kind of answered that problem that they had last season, which was when the Shelby wasn't in the team that they really struggled for creativity. Although having said that, last year they needed to break teams down. This year, it's probably not quite as much of a priority for them because I think teams will come to St James's Park and be a bit more open um, yeah I, I, but I do I do think that the fact that this run you know they get some difficult games out of the way it, it's going to be difficult we all know that the Tyneside we, we love it we're in it um, we're, we're part of this whole thing but we know that the, the city gets jumpy and it, we get, it gets nerve, nervy when the team aren't winning and when the team go a little bit longer without winning um, and you know that tension it, it's a great momentum when the team win because it feels like you know things get more positive and stuff but it gets nervy and I think you know Rafa's noticed that and one of the things that he kind of tries to manage is is, is that you know you saw when he um, when he spoke at the foundation awards which was two days after the Bournemouth game he, his message was distinct it was a very you know he's gone from being you know let's be positive to kind of like look Let's stick together. Stick together. That is his main message to everybody: stick together. We can do this together. But if we all start, um, if we start, if you start getting the backs of the players, you know they don't have enough confidence to 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 be to be able to kind of withstand that. And he's, you know, I think that's a, an interesting message. Um, and you know, I think I think most of the fans have kind of got on board with that. I think you know we 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 get some negativity about the games afterwards, but. 
generally speaking, people have the support's been absolutely tremendous. You know, another sellout on Saturday, um, and it's channeling that into a positive, and that that's what can kind of that. I think that's the main thing over the next ten games is just they are going to lose a few games. But the interesting thing for me over the next ten games is that this at this point last year we were all talking about squad rotation. Rafa keeps changing his team. Who should be in the team? Who should be out? Obviously, we've had none of this this year because there hasn't been as many games. Yeah. Is he going to revert back to that now, having so many games in a short period of time? Yes, he's got a thin squad. Yes, he's got a few injuries at the minute. Hopefully, come back. Are we going to see the likes of one game? It'll be Hayden and Marino. The next game, it's going to be Shelby and Hayden. Yeah. Shelby and Marino in a home game. Is Atsu going to start coming mm-hmm. in out of the team? Is is Murphy mm-hmm. going to get a run? Could Mitrovic even come it's in up front? If once Lascelles is fit, is are the back two going to rotate? When Dumwood's fit, could Mankio and and, the, and that's going to be the interesting thing going forward because we haven't seen that this year. And he is the one, someone throughout his career, squad rotations followed him around. Yeah. But because it's only been one game a week, which is something Rafa Benitez has not been used to in his managerial career, he hasn't needed to do that. But the condition of his players is very important, and I'm going to be intrigued to see in the next 10 games if that, if that really certainly in December when I think they've got a period of three games in five days or something whether we see very different teams each, each game I think that's the point about Rafa isn't it and, and that was one of the things when I, when I was kind of looking back at last season for the, for the book um, was he's got this it's a plan for the season he isn't a I mean he is a reactive manager in that he will react to circumstances but there's a general overarching plan for how we deal with this season so you have to judge him come May and if the teams stay up then, then they've done it but he's got this plan and he'll have looked at this block they bl- I mean we, we, we went down to see him in the first international break and he was kind of telling us about the blocks of games that they look at managing, you know, managing the load or this kind of idea of like this is how we, we train this way for this game um, we do these things differently so you know will it work out over the course of the next 10 games well they've got a plan for it and you know you just have to hope the plan works it has done so far for Newcastle like he's nothing that he's done since they got relegated has not paid off um, for all the people have kind of you know been questioning certain things that have happened this year like Rafa hasn't let anybody down since he's had full control of things at Newcastle um, despite the fact he's not got everything he wanted so positive you know you've got to, you've got to think it's you know Saturday's another opportunity um, that, like and Watford are a tough team to beat they're going to they're going to be hard they're going to be that's a difficult game if they win that that's a really good result I think um, you know the disappointment with Bournemouth was they were out of form Watford aren't Watford are doing okay so they're in the league so you know that's going to be tough so the message remains in Rafa we trust um, we'll just final, finally we'll go with predictions for Saturday uh, Chris how do you see the game going I'm going to go positive I think it's going to be a very tough game Watford have done very well the Ethel had a bit of a I think they'd lost three games in a row but then one at the weekend basically demolished a poor West Ham side um, and they've been good away from home but I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle if Rafa continues the 4-2 uh, 4-4-2 has Gale in there I can see Gale getting a couple and, and Newcastle just shading it but it's going to be very tough and I think that would be a very good result Mark 1-0 1-0 and then and then and then beat Pardew's West Brom on Tuesday oh, that's going to be it yeah we haven't even talked about Pardew have we I'm sure we'll do that on Monday yeah, um, yeah I think they'll. I think it, it's going to be tight um, and a point would be okay not brilliant but it would be okay 
I'll go 2 1 as well, Chris. I'll be more positive. <laughs> and Have we'll... we ever predicted a Newcastle defeat on this podcast? Uh, last week I did. <laughs> yeah. Not quite there. What did Chris go for? Chris went for a draw. A draw. Tuesday uh, chilling, didn't it? Uh, it wasn't too bad at one stage, yeah. but then. Here's a, here's a general rule of when. Should have um... been here and should have scored half time. <laughs> yeah. A general rule of when uh, a journalist covering the team uh, predicts the if they say a draw, they think it's going to be they think they're going to lose, <laughs> but um, they never say it. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, that doesn't mean necessarily I think they're, they're going to lose on Saturday. But uh, I'm a bit with glass half empty, <laughs> positive but glass half empty in my case. Oh, Standard for a Bradford fan, I suppose. <laughs> and we'll end it there. Thanks oh. for joining us today. Um, Make sure you stick with Chronicle Live. We'll have all of the coverage of Saturday's game at Watford, Tuesday's game at West Brom, and all the takeover latest. So stick with us. And again, thanks for joining. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?